Taylor over the top to Waller. Can't bring it in. Taron Johnson defends. And the Bills win. Hello and welcome to BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, Aaron Hawksworth here with you from 9 to noon Eastern on the BetQL Network. Listen to the show on the Odyssey app. Watch the show on twitch.tv slash BetQL and YouTube. And follow us on X at BetQL Daily. Joining us on the program today, Jason Lockenfora, Odyssey NFL Insider, will share all of his Week 6 takeaways, and that's where we will begin. The biggest lesson from Week 6 is that everybody stinks, nobody is good, and we are all average at best. There are no more undefeated teams. Everybody has a blemish. Everybody has looked bad at some point this season. And heck, if you're talking about the Buffalo Bills, they nearly lost badly to a backup quarterback in, in Tyrod Taylor and the Giants. But P.J. Walker, Zach Wilson, they were the victors yesterday over undefeated teams. So of all of this insanity, Joe, where would you like to start? Nobody could score any damn points, I can tell you that. We talked all week about the weather that you're going to be dealing with in the Midwest. That's why totals are dropping. Even after these totals dropped, we're 12-2 and two and unders. 12 and 2 and unders going into Monday night football. Nobody can score. I wonder when that's going to turn at some point. You addressed a couple of the quarterback issues. We had three regular starters that, that did not go. We had four starter starting quarterbacks exiting games yesterday. Like the injuries are massive. Pay attention early in the week. Uh, I know we're waiting on information till Wednesday, but a lot of these moves happening well before that. Key components to teams. We already had the HN news last week, and that didn't seem to bother them. It's not going to bother you when you're facing the worst team in football in Carolina. Uh, but like CMC going down, and Debo, and David Montgomery's been so big for the Lions with both of their running backs down right now. Is that going to impact things? So uh, injuries big, unders big. Uh, it didn't feel like the weather was impacting the games that much, though. Like it just. I think it's just bad offenses right now. Defense way ahead. Yeah, I agree. I mean, my biggest takeaway was the injuries just starting to pile up, especially for the 49ers. And just having covered Trent Williams here in Washington, he's just such a big part of what the Niners do. And I think when you see him injured, it really started to impact the game. Certainly that's the case. I'm with you, Joe, that the weather, though a factor, wasn't the biggest factor. Like if you take mm -hmm. the 49ers game, for example, against the Browns. Yeah, that was a situation where the conditions were not ideal, but that defense also played really well with some insane defensive playmakers. Uh, Miles Garrett, secondary, all of that was very much important. But the other thing, too, is that a lot of these offenses are sputtering in the red zone. Take the case between the Seahawks Ooh. and the Bengals. Two opportunities for Geno Smith to win that game. And not only did he not find pay dirt in either trip that could have, you know, changed the course, changed the outcome of the contest, but also, too, like, it's obvious what the weaknesses were in that defense, and they weren't getting exploited. So it's red zone offense across the board having uh, some problems against defenses where, okay, you focus so much on the passing attack. How much is rushing uh, really important? terms of super quick throws or fades one-on-one -on -one, things like that how well can you execute such plays one of those things where I think we uh, point to a couple of teams like say the Cowboys for instance where we say yeah that red mm -hmm. zone offense stinks but guess what a lot of red zone offenses stink and so I think that's also why we're seeing a lot of threes uh, instead of sevens 
or zeros instead of sevens. And that's definitely suppressing scoring, uh, you know, across the board in the NFL, Joe. And you look at these individual games as far as these undefeateds going down with the Eagles, with the 49ers, you almost have to look at them differently as far as why they lost these particular games, because you can explain it away. Yet at the same time, you are going up against really good defenses, and that still matters at the end of the day. Yeah, it does. feels like uh, we're at a time where people don't want to consider that. But that's Mm -hmm. what happened. That's exactly what happened yesterday. Well, offense always trumps defense. Defenses don't matter, blah, blah, blah. If you have a great offense, well, you're not going to have a great offense every single week. Any of us that have watched the game for a long period of time, like, understood. Yes, congratulations, Eagles. You were 5-0 entering the game. But nobody thought that they were anywhere near the same level of ball that they were a season ago. You know, it's funny. On the San Francisco front, don't you already feel everybody going to their corner? Whatever their opinion was on Brock Purdy, that's where they're going. If their opinion was that Brock Purdy is not that good, what are they going to? They're saying, see, he faced a real defense. If you're defending Brock Purdy, if you're making, you've been making a case for him to actually be the MVP that he's maybe, you know, top 10, top 12 quarterback in this league, you're saying, well, look, man. It, it, that's tough. You go from the Cowboys to Cleveland. There's weather. They were on a bye. We lose all these pieces. You lose CMC. It's like everybody's running to their corners already for the, for their hot takiness on this Monday. Yeah. I'd have to be in the ladder there, kind of making excuses and the injuries. I would definitely be in that camp. But speaking of the defenses, we've got to give credit for to the Jets. I mean, it's impressive mm-hmm. what their defense has been able to do. They're at three and three, and I was pretty much ready to put a fork in them after the Aaron Rodgers thing. I just thought that would be pretty deflating, and here they are exceeding expectations, and it's all because of their defense, and they were missing Sauce and DJ Reed and still made life difficult for the Eagles. Certainly disguised enough looks uh, to make Jalen Hurts, who we consider a good quarterback. Some of us consider him a great quarterback. Regardless, he's certainly more than competent enough to take his offense to the Super Bowl. That we do know. And that Jets defense, uh, you know, with disguising their looks, disguising blitzes, things like that. uh, It was truly magnificent as far as uh, just confusing him putting them in bad spots, and that's the name of the game, right? Confuse your quarterbacks, make sure that they make mistakes that they otherwise wouldn't make, and, uh, you know, get some really cool sideline shots at the end of the game where they're just looking absolutely confused, like, what the heck just happened, all that fun stuff. want to circle back to the Brock Purdy conversation, though, because mm-hmm. I, I'm with you, Aaron. I'm probably in the conversation of or on the side of I would like to make excuses for him. Now, if there is one thing that we learned from that game, It is that if the 49ers are going to go to the Super Bowl, gosh darn it, they better get the top seed. Or gosh darn it, they only have to play indoor games. Or the conditions need to be pristine. If there is something that I can say against Brock Purdy, it's that if conditions are not immaculate, if it is raining, if it is windy in some way, I have some real questions. I have some real concerns. That's where I think the problem may be. If, say, for instance, the Eagles get the top seed in the NFC and the 49ers have to go back over there again, I'm already leaning Eagles as far as that's concerned. Trent Williams allowed Miles Garrett to have a few pressures. Secondary covered what was left of the 49ers receiving core. Those are some key injuries. Debo Samuel's shoulder, uh, Christian McCaffrey's oblique. Both left, did not return. And so the combination of injuries 
and bad weather, all of that stuff made Brock Purdy look human. That matters in terms of handicapping those kinds of games going forward. Not to mention, can we uh, criticize San Francisco one more time as far as how they're handling their business? Taking a third round kicker and he still couldn't make a 41 yarder. What are we doing here? Like, that's, that's the insane yeah. thing. Is that like 49ers do some insanely good things and then they do some insanely bad things as well. And you can't forget yeah. about the bad things for when you're getting enamored by these lopsided wins that they can have against the Cowboys and other good teams. You also have to remember that they make some really boneheaded managerial decisions as well. And you put all of that together and they do look good at times, great at times, but boy, they can look vulnerable as well. There is no doubt Robbie Gold makes that kick. Zero yep. questions. Robbie Gold makes that 41-yard kick. They win the game. And how much? How different is the narrative? Are we hung up on 215 total yards for the San Francisco offense if they're sitting here 6-0 and this morning? Oh, wow, you went on the road, team off a of bye, great defense. See, you proved that you can do anything. Didn't quite have it, only 3.9 yards per play. He did enough for the comeback win, right? I mean, that's... 41 yards you've got to make that kick so yeah i mean <laughs> it's going to be fascinating also <laughs> fascinating uh those injuries uh how close is cmc to returning same thing with debo the other part you mentioned pristine conditions also on the road if if you take out the pittsburgh game to start the season which you have an entire off season to prepare for like a lot of these road games purdy's been in they've been real dip and talk now that's normal that's normal in this league. What he's done so far is abnormal. So that's why we're picking little things apart. But um, if you look ahead, okay, when are they going to face another great defense? When are they going to go on the road in a tough spot? Help me out. I mean, it's Minnesota. It's Cincinnati not looking great right now. That Cincinnati game's a home game. They go to Jacksonville. I mean, Tampa Bay's defense is good. At Seattle, at Philly, at Seattle, that stretch, maybe we'll learn a lot. But barring health, San Francisco should get back on track going against that Vikings defense. But but couldn't we agree at least with like Seattle's defense, for instance, that the jury is still out on them? Like we know oh, they're yeah. not bad. Maybe they're not elite, but at least the jury's still out. And we could say, okay, at worst, they're average. Yep. Yeah. I mean, after those first couple of drives yesterday, they looked really good on Cincinnati. Is that more about the Bengals or is that more about the Seahawks defense? Uh, yeah, they've got upside to me. The jury is absolutely still out on on Seattle's defense. Sure. I think with the 49ers, <clears throat> Trent Williams, just going back to that, he was leaving in a walking boot. This guy is super tough, mm. but I think he means a lot to this team. And a lot of times we don't talk about offensive linemen, but this guy, I mean, <laughs> there was a pregame fight between these two teams. Trent comes walking up. This guy is like, he owns a boxing gym in Houston. Like, you don't want to mess around with him. I think he means a lot to this offense, and they might be in trouble if he isn't out there. No kidding. No kidding at all. And and, and you're right. I mean, the offensive line play, you know this, Aaron, like it's a weak league system. So if one offensive lineman who is normally elite, you know, has an injury and then things kind of step back into reality, then that's something where, you know, you got the right pass rusher and then bad things can happen for that O-line. If, say, there's mm -hmm. an injury altogether and then you have a replacement in there and it doesn't work, it doesn't gel, then that's going to be a big problem as well. So 
I, I look at this and say, you know, offensive line play was something that we were concerned about during the preseason. We go into the regular season and you have a couple of injuries here and there and suddenly pass rushers are, are able to exploit that. None better than Miles Garrett and company right. uh, seeing what they were able to do. And that game was still close. Like the defense played out of its mind. The conditions were as bad as they could have been for Brock Purdy. And it still took a missed field goal. And so this is something where the 49ers should not be all of a sudden, you know, disparaged and, you know, brought back down to reality. But I think for the Eagles, that's a very different story. I mean, I think in, in many ways they were kind of due to have some kind of a defeat if they were going up against, uh, you know, a really good defense. And one thing, too, sometimes we can simplify this stuff as much as possible, and we actually get some key insights here. The Eagles are eighth in, in the NFL in point differential. Just eight. Mm-hmm. You'd think with all those wins, uh, you know, they'd be first, second. So, no, the, the Bills are better. The Dolphins are better. Teams that already had a loss coming in have bigger point differentials. And, you know, Eagles lost tackle Lane Johnson. And because the O-line's yep. weak, weak, weak link system, they, they just don't have as much depth as we thought. And that line has to be stout in terms of dealing with spread runs being able to protect Jalen Hurts just enough because, yeah, he can be a mobile quarterback, but he does need some time and a little bit of space to be able to chuck it to A.J. Brown. And that's something else, too, is that, like, you know, Hurts was pressured a lot in that game. 42% of his dropbacks sacked twice. Nobody broke 50 rushing yards for the game. And when the Eagles don't have that rushing attack and it's all reliant upon throwing it to A.J. Brown and it becomes that one-dimensional, then the Eagles become very vulnerable, and that's exactly what we saw on Sunday. And when they needed him, A.J. Brown wasn't able to do anything. And again, you go back to Mm -hmm. the point, they were missing. There's two starting corners, one labeled an elite corner, and you have the picks. Um I don't want to go too far because we we were seeing it. We were seeing it, but they did outgain the Jets by over 100 yards. They should have won the game. It's it comes down to the turnovers and what you believe those turnovers were. Is that something that's going to continue to be a problem or not? You're not going to win football games when you lose a turnover battle 4 to 0. It's not going to happen. I don't care who's on your team. It's like 97% it or 95% or something like that. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's bad when it's 3-0, but, uh, but when it's, mm-hmm. when it's a plus four, like good luck, good, good luck. And, and I mean, the Jets struggled in the red zone again, and that's not a big, a big mm-hmm. surprise there, but yeah, I mean, that's how costly those turnovers can be a number of games yesterday. And, and when we go over them, we'll mention them a number of games where you had uh, the loser in the game outplay the other team when it comes to the yardage and the yards per play. And it's, it's those costly turnovers that just turn games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Hurts already, I thought this was interesting, seven INTs on the season. He only had six all of last year. So if those become continue to be costly, then I would be concerned. <laughs> and the biggest question coming in to me for the Eagles was, okay, you have a brand-new offensive coordinator. How is he going to mesh with Jalen Hurts? It's not been bad. Like, let's not go crazy and say, oh, well, you got to start all over there. It's not that bad. But certainly there is some regression that we were expecting. New offense coordinator needing time to gel with everybody. And we are seeing that. The Eagles look a little bit more vulnerable, but maybe they can still win the division. Something we will talk about at great length throughout the festivities today. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, what the weekly leaders tell us about which offenses we should and shouldn't be backing going forward. That's right here on the BetQL Network.
We'll be right back with BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM from BetQL. Welcome back to BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you continuing our look at Sunday from week six. We've got to talk about the Miami Dolphins, right? They spotted the Carolina Panthers 14 and they still covered a massive number, beating Carolina 42-21. to Raheem Mostert picked up where Devon A. Chan left off with 115 rushing yards and three scores. What more can you say about the Dolphins and just how phenomenal this offense has been, Joe? Survivor was sweaty yesterday. Miami, the most popular pick, at least in my pool, and I know a number of pools. I was sweating it out with Buffalo last night. And then people were freaking out that had the Rams. That was by far the most popular in Circa. Like all of these games, there was a moment when you were very worried. Uh, I was getting texts like, oh, Miami's uh, losing 14 nothing, going to blow up Survivor. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, really? Okay. Um, Miami's defense <laughs> is actually one of the takeaways. Like we know enough about the Dolphins' offense. We, we know they're going to be just fine no matter what, as long as Tyreek's out there grabbing cameras. Oh, six catches, 163 yards. That's a pretty good average. That's a pretty good average. Um, yeah, yeah, it's decent. They, they allowed almost 300 yards to this pathetic offense. So I thought that was pretty noteworthy, that Miles Sanders was out, Chuba Hubbard steps in. They actually had some semblance of a run game. Now, maybe they didn't prepare much for this game. They were looking past their opponent. That's why they fall down 14-0. Then they move on to outscore them 42-7 to after that. But, um, you know, defensively, they, there, are, there are some concerns. Now, the offense is going to mitigate all that. But in, in spots like this, they end up covering but when they're laying massive numbers, just something to keep an eye on in the future. I thought you were going to bring up your guy, Eli Apple. He got burned. He oh, did not well, have his I mean, out. isn't I anybody going to get burned? Eli Apple. I didn't. Yeah. Well, I mean, also the Panthers in such a bad spot. They didn't have either of their starting safeties going against this high flying offense. Good luck, dude. Like, you know, it's going to be bad. Mm. Like, that was probably a lot. I don't. I don't know what the number got to, but I'd imagine that was that was a good live betting opportunity. Whatever the live number yeah. was, uh, when it was fourteen nothing, yeah. maybe it moved down a little bit. <laughs> but yeah, mm-hmm. it, it, and perhaps we were all fearful in a sense because, like, yeah, you know, Miami was down fourteen nothing, but with kind of the tenor of the day and all these other bad weather games, I wonder if like there was Mm -hmm. just a a natural anxiety panic attack that was going on among every football fan, just because other offenses were sputtering a little bit around the same time. And so, you know, it was just a bad mental health day. Maybe that's how we ought to describe week six of Sunday. It was just a bad mental health day offensively where, you know, not everything was working out in some way, shape or form, but ultimately Mm -hmm. the dolphins were able to regroup and it kind of, points to one of the things that I talked about on Friday concerning uh, how much the Dolphins would miss Devon Achan. 
when you look at offensive line and play design, it wasn't as formidable with Raheem Moser. Just 36 of his rushing yards were before contact. So you got to give the Panthers rush D a little bit of credit there. And we thought that this rush def- defense would be at least okay. It's the pass rush. It's the secondary with those injuries. That's where the question marks would be. Mm-hmm. And as it turns out, Raheem Mostert is actually a really good running back uh, of his own right, in his own right. Uh, 79 of his rushing yards came after contact. So it's something where Miami was really focused on this ground game a lot during the offseason. They wanted to be more dynamic. And as it turns out, that's exactly what happened. Meanwhile, the Panthers thought it would be a good idea to blitz Tua a good bit more, hoping to pick up some quick pressures and sort of force him to some bad decisions within, say, two, two and a half seconds of the snap. And guess what, folks? You can't blitz a quick thrower. You can't blitz a quick thrower. How many times do we have to go over that? Tua, 14 of 18, 153 yards, two touchdowns. This is one of those things where you neither need to have elite pass rushers, your front four, or you need to force Tua into some mistakes in those quick throws. It's a very fast game when you're going up against the Dolphins. And for some reason, the Panthers didn't register that. So, yes, there may be some concerns with Vic Fangio's group. But ultimately, this offense can overwhelm folks. And yeah, they get the Eagles next week. And that's something we'll talk about later on in the festivities. Yet at the same mm-hmm. time, it's it's one of those deals where at least the Dolphins offense is reliable. And it's also consistent. Eagles are going to run I... on them. I can't wait to see. I can't wait to see it. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a fun Sunday night football game. Unlike last night was just like. Oh, God, what am I watching? But you couldn't turn away. It wasn't literally a car wreck. No. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to, to uh, next week's matchup as well. But for me, I kind of like that the Dolphins got off to a slow start and were able to overcome it. And within the next month, they should get Jalen Ramsey back. I mean, I, I think it's good that they got tested, especially with the Eagles mm-hmm. on deck. Absolutely. No doubt about it. Uh, when we're talking about Sunday leaders, uh, Desmond Ritter at 45 to one was in the mix for passing leader until the end, of, until the end of the one o'clock slate. Uh, Drake mm-hmm. London finished second in receiving yards to Tyreek Hill. I know Tyreek is going to be a favorite every time we talk about Sunday leaders, but the fact that Drake London was certainly in the mix is fascinating. Adam Thielen had a 100 plus yard game, which is surprising because I didn't know how healthy he was coming in. Uh, he finished third in the mix. It's one of those things, Joe, where I get that when we're talking about Sunday leaders, it is a really difficult market. And sometimes we like to resort to the leaders because you can still get fantastic payouts that way. But maybe there are other ways to kind of bet this market or maybe, you know, subsidiaries of this market that could be just as valuable. That stinks on the passing one. If you had golf or car, they had a tie. So I'm assuming the bet is split, 353 mm-hmm. for each of them. But uh, what was noteworthy, four of the top five passing uh, leaders, four of the top five there, lost. So you kind of want, if you're thinking about how a game is going to fall, like, yeah, maybe you want a favorite that's going to be chasing. You want a quarterback that's going to just keep firing mm-hmm. it, firing it. Kyron Williams, uh, I mentioned him, did not bet him. He was 15 to one. He ends up being the leader. It makes sense. Like they're salting the game away in the second half, even though they were trailing at halftime, the Rams were to the Cardinals. Yeah. Tyreek's always going to be up there. Uh, the Drake, Drake London popping. And at one point he was among the leaders nine for one twenty five, And uh, his prop was in the forties. I want to say it was like 43, 44 and a half, 
But uh, I, I was taking a look at some of the alt numbers, 100-plus receiving yards for London, a guy that has a prop in the 40s, which he did get. was plus 950. So if you like the matchup, being the weekly leader is very challenging. That's another way to, okay, you may have had the right call, but it's bad luck because some other guy just went crazy on the day and you don't win uh, a big bet. Yeah, I was just thinking that. Like, I was all over the Rams, but not Kyron Williams. It was like Stafford <laughs> and Cup. Like, it was like the idea was there, but I didn't have the right player. So, so close, but not good enough. I mean, that Rams game was nuts, right, Aaron? Like, we weren't expecting them to run as much as they did, right? Like, at least I didn't. Like, okay, it's Cooper Cup. I it's never Puka. It's, you know, day. let's have this pat, like, yeah. Tutu Atwell. Like, let's get him involved. All that stuff. Ben Skoranek. Like, let's get all of these offensive playmakers in and just pass the ball a ton because the Cardinals are really, really bad at that. What they do, they kept running and running and running. And the few times they did pass, like, it wasn't setting anything up. And they just kind of wore them down in the second half to where Kyron Williams was able to go off. But, Aaron, that was such a weird game. It really was. Um, And I think overall, like, we did a pretty good job. There wasn't anything that really surprised me. But with those weekly leaders, I think we all kind of touched on ones and you know our the way we thought the game scripts would be going we were there I know I didn't hit any but you know I don't think anything really surprised me in terms of which teams we were targeting and players to go off it's a good exercise because you can look at you're looking for high ceiling guys uh usually it starts with the matchups and that's why a lot of the times the names that we bring up are somewhere in the mix so we're trying to figure out other ways that you can make money off of it you know the, the rams have a good rushing attack they entered that game top 10 epa per rush so i i think they're going to end up sticking with that a little bit not putting too much on stafford because Okay, let's not call 50 dropbacks on Matthew Stafford if we don't have to. We're trying to get through the season right now. <laughs> He's not exactly geriatric, but you should keep yes. his age in mind to you know, prevent the workload, things like that. Guys, we got to talk about the Detroit Lions here because mm-hmm. on a day when the last two remaining undefeateds, both in the NFC, mind you, and the 49ers and the Eagles, both of them fell – Now maybe we need to rethink our tiers as far as the NFC is concerned. And certainly we're going to talk about this at great length later in the week when, say, we're figuring out who the number one seed is going to be in the NFC, which teams can make it to the Super Bowl, all that fun stuff. But the Lions go to Tampa Bay, win 20-6, to and this was something where I felt like the Lions' defense uh, might look a little vulnerable against Baker Mayfield and company, and that's not what happened at all. Instead, the Lions' defense sort of ruled the day, and, you know, Joe, I look at this and say, maybe it's not just a feel-good story for Detroit. Maybe we need to really take them seriously as being in that top tier of the NFC. Yeah, I'm curious uh, what's going on with David Montgomery because he's been such a big part of that mm-hmm. offense. But you know what it is? When you sit back and take a look at this, this entire Lions roster and the discussion week to week, we're talking about somebody different every single week. Sometimes sure. we're talking about Laporta. Sometimes it's a David Montgomery scoring three touchdowns. Yesterday, it's Amon Ross St. Brown. He's completely healthy, and what? He goes off 12 grabs, 124 yards, one touchdown. Jamison Williams, now the deep threat, a 45-yard grab. You go up and down this team, and, and there's somebody new every single week. And the way they built this roster, like you've got to commend them. 
they decided let's go from the inside out. They built up those lines, added some some pieces on the outside, and look where they sit right now. And they think they can win with golf, and, and they're doing it. I love it. You know, and you you take a look at, you know, we were talking about how at the top of the show, every team so far we've seen have a blemish, you know, or kind of an off day. The Lions won loss that went to overtime. They lost by six. It wasn't like they completely just no showed, you know, they've won every other game besides that. So I think it's impressive what they're doing. And I think a lot of talk in the NFC has gone to the Eagles and Niners, but here's the Lions and maybe they're underrated. Maybe they're not, but they're quietly there and they've been consistent and they haven't just had a clunker. Hey, you know what, Ed? That, think, uh, that number yeah. one seed, 10 to 1, that we talked uh-huh. about a week ago is now tied. Mm-hmm. Tied for the lead. Uh oh. Five and one. Uh oh. <laughs> one week. Uh-oh. One week. It's what one it's week uh, difference can make in this league, right? I, I, yeah. I, I'm with you, Aaron. Like the Lions, yes, we need to take them seriously. And, and it's something, too, where I wonder if when we're talking about, and this is for both leagues, I wonder if it's something where. Okay, with the Dolphins, we can point to this high-flying offense. With, with the Chiefs, it's all about Pat Mahomes. With the Lions, it is about a different player every single week, seemingly. Like, you know, Sam Laporta, mm-hmm. Amaro, Sam, or whatever it is. Like, Jared Goff's numbers are solid. Completion percentage over expected, totally pay, all that stuff. Like, it's solid, but we're not talking about him as, say, a top-three quarterback. The defense played mm-hmm. really well yesterday. I think it's something where, individually – each player, each unit is solid, but you put them all together and it's hard to find too many weaknesses. And so if we're talking about, and obviously I'm going to bet on this, but if you're talking about a complete team, which teams are the most complete? I think the Lions, maybe they're not at the top of the list, but they should be in that short conversation for one of the most complete teams in the National Football League. Another thing I was looking at is we talk a lot about mm-hmm. offensive player of the year and CMC hurt. I mean, could it go to a Lions player like Amon Ra at 50 to one? If the Lions, if they are play this consistently. Keep... Yeah. 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 If they're this but... consistent, certainly that's uh, within the scope of possibilities, I think. No well, that's the question with, with it being somebody else that we're talking about every week and not one specific mm-hmm. player are they going to be up for any awards? Or are they just going to say, yeah, Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell's the way that, uh, that right. we reward this team in <laughs> the Because they're so complete. Uh, yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Aaron Schatz saying this morning, they have a new number two, DVOA, Detroit Lions. So we're talking about, go. are they on that tier? Well, DVOA this morning is saying that they're second best. There you go. And th- that makes sense, right? Like, you know, intuitively that, you know, checks all the boxes as far as being complete and not having too many weaknesses. And look, this was a good win over Tampa Bay. Like let's not discount the Buccaneers because our priors mm-hmm. on them were really horrible. Like this was a good win for them and it was a good showing. So a lot of reasons uh, to pay tribute to the lions uh, just with what they've done so far. Got to talk about the Cincinnati Bengals here. Uh, we mentioned uh, Seattle's red zone woes, but look, the Bengals, you know, they win the game 17 to 13. They cover the two and a half. One of those deals where the Bengals' defense really impressed me. Maybe Joe Burrow still has some work left to do, but a win is a win, right, Joe? Mm, I guess. Or not. <laughs> I, I'm concerned. I'm concerned. Look at it. Intended to air yards. Burrow was bottom three in the NFL yesterday. You look at uh, the last two-thirds of that game. 
They had less than 100 total yards. So I don't think it's Cincinnati's 3-3, three and three, all is right with the world. There, there were people yeah. taking that leap. Burrow's back, Burrow's back. They're watching yesterday, 17 points on the board at home, not moving the football for most of that game. I don't think he's back yet. I agree. They need to be more consistent on offense. Mixon didn't have a great game either. Right. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, it's BetQL Court right here on the BetQL Network. We'll be right back with BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. though it was a who did the character keenan keenan oh denny okay make a bad bet you can't handle the truth take a bad beat i I plead the fifth or just something you want to get off your chest sir you're out of order i don't i show you out of order BetQL Court is now in session on BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Oye, oye, BetQL Court is now in session. The Honorable Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth presiding. Joe, how about you kick things off for us? Who are you taking to court? All right. Now, I something I don't like that yeah it's related to college football is these people that have storming the field rules or storming the court the court rules i i think that's so silly i say let the kids have their fun we don't need to have rules like oh it's got to be a top five team you've got to be the underdog blah 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 whatever they're kids let them do what they want but i do think there's a point where you have to become self-aware Okay, we all reach a point in life where you could say, you know what? That's not for me anymore. That's for the kids. That's for the players. That's for the students to enjoy the moment. And with that, Notre Dame taking down USC. Notre Dame's a favorite. I'm not going to harp on that. That's fine. You can go on the field, do whatever you want. You're lucky you're there. You don't have to listen to Jack Collinsworth and Jason Garrett like I did. After Notre Dame's victory, in dominant fashion, my wife is on the field at South Bend. My wife is on the field. You're a, you're a mother. You're in your 40s. You're not at St. Mary's anymore. No, that rocks so Get hard. Hell yeah. That rules. <laughs> you're putting your own wife in jail, Joe? Wife, your wife own in jail. wife? That's so kids. metal. That rocks so hard. I need pictures, videos, pics. I'll, I'll I love s- it. I'll send a pic. Uh, yeah, I'll send a pic. The videos were not from on the field. The videos were like after when they had the fireworks. But I was telling the kids, I'm like, she's going down there. I saw everybody go down. I'm like, oh, my God, she's going to go down. Because it's girls weekend, college friends. They're there. They're all hammered and babysitting each other. I'm like, they're going. Hammered. But uh Oh, yeah, you buried the lead. Daddy daycare. How did it go? That was good. You had the got kids all control. by yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I know you must yeah. have. I didn't She's hear going off complaints. partying, leaving her children motherless. I'm here holding the fourth down, Aaron. I'm taking care <laughs> wow, of everything. You're doing shows all weekend. <laughs> Man, you could do yeah. it all. This is crazy. It, it's at this age, it's not 
as difficult because you know they can go to go to the, off to their friend's house whatever uh, a few years ago that would have been more challenging wait but for this. yeah no it was good um <laughs> but speaking of the i don't know if there should be age restrictions i'm like how'd you get down there you get by the usher she's like no they were like letting everybody in she's like there are people with canes out there i'm like come on dude canes <laughs> All right, dangerous. you got a cane. You got a cane. You can't be going on to a field. <laughs> you have a cane or a walker. Can't do wow. it. To be, no, 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 no. To be on the field for, like, all right, maybe you are inflicting uh, bodily harm <laughs> on yourself, but, like, how many times you get to do this? Like, Notre Dame doesn't get to storm Honestly, that. Like, if I have this is seen, a bucket list thing. I'm living my best life at that point. Yeah. <laughs> While I, I did throw my wife in jail, am I a hypocrite? Yes, because my immediate re- reaction was, damn it. The game I didn't get, go, I went to, we didn't get to storm the field. And I'm going to the pit game in a couple of weeks. That's not going to be a storm the field game. I'm like, damn, I would like to be on the field right now. Oh, so you had FOMO. Yeah, a little bit. Little so I'm throwing her in jail yeah. because of my FOMO. I would pay very good money to see a Joe O storming of any field. I would pay great money for that. Like, send them to Fort Collins when Colorado State had that Hail Mary win and have them storm the field there. Like, that'd be cool. Like, one of 30 people. Great scenes. The Washington game, that was an unbelievable scene. Oh, man. And then, did anybody have, like, I made the case for Notre Dame, I liked other games more. I never thought they'd whip them like that. I never no. thought that was going to happen. I didn't oh, either. Man. That was a fun set. They got problems, USC. <laughs> yeah. The only reason I was not like completely shocked is because of the market. Like Because the market set that number, and we were hearing all week that the, the sharp money was behind Notre Dame. That's the only reason when it happened. I wasn't expecting it to happen, and we said last week, mm-hmm. Joe, you know, lifelong Notre Dame fans, they'd never win this game. But when it happened, I was yep. like, all right. Market was right. Yep. It, well, there were so many paths for that to happen. The market was right, but like we weren't expecting Caleb Williams to look pedestrian. I think that's the Ooh. part that was probably the biggest surprise. That okay, yeah, USC would give up a ton of points and a ton of yards. Fine, we knew that, and maybe it would just be too much. But for Caleb Williams to have all those picks and look under duress and all of that stuff, the adjustments weren't there. That was the surprising part to me. And I know we'll talk about the Heisman market, you know, at some point. Uh, But, you know, that Caleb Williams on a day when he needed to have a great performance because we had other two fantastic Pac-12 performances that day. That is the reason why I think things got so haywire. It's over. I can't wait to have that conversation. But also, yeah. there was the, the – I'll have to check if there's any updates. But the level that Caleb Williams fell to, also disrespectful. Yes. <laughs> it's like, no Couldn't chance. Agree more. Milrow? <laughs> Same odds? What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. No Aaron, who do you want to take to court? Uh, so, I don't really have a sports-related one. Really quick, though, I think this is awesome. The two guys that got up on the roof at Citizens Bank Park. Did you see that to watch the game? Yeah. I love yeah. that. Probably not the safest thing, and I am i don't know if those guys are in trouble, but the scene is so cool. I don't even know how they got up there. But if you Google it, two Phillies fans just went viral after being captured watching the game 
from the roof, basically, at Citizens Bank Park. I'd be so nervous. Could you guys deal with heights like that? No. Oh, no. I couldn't do that. I'm scared of my roof. I'm scared of mine. Yeah. Right. Like, you're not that far off the ground. Meanwhile, like, if you fall, like, there's not exactly anything to take care of you if something were to happen. Like, I get, uh, you know, being out in Wrigleyville, Joe, it's one of those things where a lot of folks, like, watch watch the game from rooftops, and that's fine. But uh, more of a controlled environment, I would say. Completely different than how it used to be in the day. It's like, go, go to your friend's house, we'll go in this little roof. Not a, you're right, not a controlled environment. Now it's like they've got tables set up, and yeah, it's, it's mm-hmm. a full-on business atmosphere, unlike, you know, in the 90s. Completely different. Yeah. completely different um you you mentioned a non-sports one did you want to do that or i can get to my sports Uh, one real fast i just i need to put jada pinkett smith in prison she (laughs) is getting on my nerves i don't know why every time i look it's like more stuff about their marriage why is you know he referring to me as his wife i haven't heard that in so long i don't support the chris rock slap it's just too much just go away oh and if she says that tupac is her soulmate one more time i'm going to lose it like that was so long ago he's not even here to defend himself you just keep holding on to this relationship it's ridiculous let it go it's like her claim to fame she she knows how to sell a book i guess i'd like to throw anyone buying the book based on these quotes in jail too i mean that's what this whole thing Mm -hmm. is right her memoir like what was it prince harry when he tried to sell his book like that made me crazy because Mm -hmm. there was a point when there were no real insights it was just him venting about whatever and you know being horribly self-aggrandizing in the processing i don't need this i i don't need this and i'm gonna be hearing about it forever from oprah and whomever and that stinks and this is that same celebrity cycle over and over again and so aaron i'm with you completely like life sentence Never want to hear from her again. You know, I wasn't a big fan Please. of Will Smith to begin with because I I, I don't think his work is uh, of the par of some of the other great <laughs> actors in, you know, wow. in movie and TV right now. But to have this, this was happen, supposed to be like, a defense of Will. Now he's getting dragged. No. I don't want to yeah, see drag him. No, he deserves it. He deserves it. The whole thing was fake. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to defend my wife's honor. She's like, I ain't your wife. <laughs> You don't do that to Chris Rock. One of the funniest people on the planet. You don't do that to him. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I agree. Yeah. Mike Lowry's falling off. And she's sitting there. She's like, I'm not your wife, bro. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Okay, here's uh, what I would like to put in prison. Uh, AP voters. And I get Mm -hmm. that AP voters are constantly messing this up. But I got to do it one more time. Why in the world are we still putting Georgia at number one in our polls? Why is this still happening? If you believe that rankings are solely based on what you've done, well, I can think of a few resumes that are better. How about Oklahoma's? How about Florida State's? How about Washington's? I mean, that win over Oregon was special. That was tons of fun to watch. Uh, Georgia's not there. But if we also think that polls are about being forward-looking and predictive, who's going to be number one at the end, well, mm-hmm. Michigan and Ohio State are leading a bunch of power rankings right now, analytical and otherwise, and Georgia is not number one there. And also, let's not mention, let's we not forget that Brock Bowers, the tight end, 
the wonderful tight end for Georgia, he may be missing some time. And that's going to be a big problem with that ankle sprain. So we knew that Georgia's schedule was going to be easy, but for that to make Georgia number one, they need to be manhandling teams. They played Vanderbilt over the weekend, and that game was close for a while. So you can't tell me for one second that, okay, well, that Georgia win over Kentucky validates all of our priors with the Bulldogs. No, it doesn't. Georgia is not the best team in the country. The market, yeah, they have the shortest odds to win the Natty, but part of that is because the path is easier than Michigan and Ohio State's and all these other teams. So don't tell me for one second that Georgia is still the best team and it's all about dethroning the champ. No, there are a few teams that I can say with authority right now are better than the Bulldogs. Hey, as long as we're in court here, Corey Parson, you're going to jail. Per don't, no <laughs> chance. Per don't. Whoa. They were so bad. Money paying. They were so <laughs> awful. I watched every moment of that travesty of Peacock. I was so mad. I'm like, delete this The app. fantasy exec. What are we doing? Corey. Oh, boy. He, he's been demoted. He's not the exec anymore. <laughs> this is my QL Daily presented by Ben and Jim. Coming score. up next, Jason Lockenfora will share all of his week six takeaways. That's right here on the BetQL Network.